technology is ever um, growing in terms of its need and depending on the program you're in, some will be highly objective, some will be uh, more on the subjective side. Um, Hawthorne, when I was there, was more t- leaning towards um, the personal side and going off the feel and I guess the coach's instinct and athlete's instinct. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Each week I host live Q&As where I present on a topic to help footballers and strength and conditioning coaches with practical knowledge. Make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live podcast. If you're a returning podcast listener and you love the show, please show support by rating the show. It goes a long way into helping us reach more listeners. Let's get into today's episode. Make sure to stick around to the very end as I provide a free AFL workout and power tip designed to give you confidence and an insight into what it takes to play AFL. Let's go. Welcome to this weekly update. I'll be discussing everything you need to know when it comes to how to land your first full-time contract in the AFL as a strength and conditioning coach. We're discussing my journey in the AFL and how I work uh, in the BFL to get my apprenticeship and get my work experience and how that led to internships in uh, an AFL club and, and ultimately a couple of full-time roles. Um, what I've learned from the podcast, had heaps of guests uh, in a varied all the roles from high performance manager, strength and power coach, rehab coach, sports scientist, assistant S and C. So I'll discuss the key findings and themes and trends from the guests we've had on the show, um, as well as important skill sets uh, that I think you can start to develop at the lower level and while you're doing your degree, and of course qualifications to have a ticket to the dance, so to speak. So if you're not qualified, if you've only got your cert three and four as personal trainer, and you're working at, uh, at a studio and you want to work in the AFL, there's some minimum standard uh, qualifications to be able to, uh, I guess, earn the right to start working in the AFL or, or any elite sport, really. But we'll get straight into it uh, and then hang around at the end. I'll, we've got a couple of big um, podcast episodes launching this week, as well as a new Academy um, plyometric drill series that I've just uploaded in our Academy membership. And of course, I'm going to give a free workout this time around power development uh, rate of force development, how you can really uh, improve your explosive, uh, specifically for things like fend-offs on the field. Um, so if you're a footballer uh, and you want to improve your fend-off ability, stick around for the end and I'll provide that workout. Or if you're a coach working with footballers and you want to um, learn some of my favorite drills uh, for improving explosive upbody power, then stick around. But we'll stick. We'll go straight into it. Firstly, you've got to have an understanding of what are the roles. So what are the opportunities to work in the AFL? So as it stands at the moment, and it hasn't changed hell of a lot over the last sort of 10 years, you're typically going to have your head of fitness, high performance manager, also known as, um, who sits as the boss of the department. Um, they're the, the real focus on in terms of understanding what the coaches and how the football team needs to be able to play, um, and then also coordinating the medical, uh, physical performance team, as well as support staff. So things like sports psych, um, a dietitian, uh, and even your, your sports scientists and um, potential data analytics. So they coordinate all of that to be able to support the players and make sure if the information is filtered and relevant to what the, the players need uh, at that time. Then you've got your strength and power coach, i.e. your head weights um, coach. So their main role is to design the strength and power program for the squad. Um, they lead the gym sessions. 
Um, so the lead coach on the gym floor. Uh, and generally, they'll also have some assistant roles in my, they might be running warm up um, on field sessions. They could be helping out um, on game day with rotations. Um, so there's also some assistant roles that goes goes in that, helping out with rehab. Um, but typically, their lead role is in the gym uh, and making sure the players are strong and powerful and mitigating injuries. Then you've got a rehab coach, which is the role that I'm currently in. Um, every club might have a different format. Some clubs might just have one rehab person in the role. Um, at Melbourne, we've got two. So we've got a rehab coach and I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Then we've got a rehab physio. Um, so we work together <clears throat> with our team to uh, facilitate the program for those that are injured in bringing them back to performance. Uh, other clubs may only have one, so they might have a physio that's the rehab coordinator uh, and does both the S&C and the physio side. Other programs might just have a strength and conditioning coach, um, so they lean on the, the medical team to be able to give them the information uh, and then facilitate the session. So there's different models there. Uh, obviously, if you're at a club or you're working to work at a club that has the model where there's only one and that happens to be a physio, um, that's one less job uh, as a strength and conditioning coach that you can um, work at at the club. So take that into account. Um, and you've got your assistant strength and conditioning coach. Typically, they're managing either the AFLW program, their women's program, or the VFL men's. Um, and then they're an assistant in the men's program. So it's a lot of contact hours. Great for developing um, your craft uh, because you're seeing a lot, you're helping out a lot, um, but also you don't have a huge amount of responsibility with the most important players necessarily in terms of programming and and coaching them, yet you're, you're typically working with uh, your younger players, helping them with their technique. Uh, so it's a nice, safe entry into the into the role. I did that at Hawthorne, uh, and I also did my for my first year at Melbourne. Um, so yeah, great role, lots of hours. Um, so because you, you're working both either with the women or with the um, and the men's program, or in my case, I was working looking after the VFL program at Box Hill Hawks and Casey Demons. And then during the day, you're with the either when I was at Hawthorne or I was with Melbourne. Uh, and then um, if your data is your go, technology, really good with things like Power BI and Excel, then the sports science role um, might be an avenue that you look down to. So realistically, there's what, high performance manager, one, two, three, four, five roles there. Uh, some clubs only four. And then if you only see yourself as a strength and conditioning coach, really you've got the high performance role, the strength role, and the rehab coach and assistant. So there's four roles. And that's if your club has a rehab coach that's an SNC in the role. Sometimes there might only be three strength and conditioning coaches at each club. You've got 18 clubs. You can see there that you know there's not a lot of jobs. Um, and um, usually when those jobs are filled, people stay in them for a couple of years. Um, so there's not a lot of opportunities every year. Uh, and it's very, very competitive. So you need to make sure you're really developing yourself. You're working hard and getting better uh, every day and applying um, important skills. So I'd say coaching would be number one, making sure you, you're really clear on your coaching philosophy when it comes to power development. You, uh, how do you choose change for, from plyometrics to max strength development with the slower strength activities? Uh, your conditioning prescription, how do you coach it? How's your coaching change when you're running a high-speed session compared to a sprint session, max velocity exposure compared to agility? Uh, having a database and, and tracking record of your um, your frameworks in terms of progressions uh, in the gym um, with your squat patterns, hinge patterns, uh, pull, press, uh, rotational exercises, injury mitigation exercises, your hamstring work, make sure you've got proximal exercise database, distal hamstring uh, database, 
uh, eccentric exercises, is- isometric, isotonic. So all these things start taking record for, and you can just work, fine tune it as you with your mentors and as you gain more experience in applying uh, the knowledge and the science in your craft and seeing what works and how it all fits together and to make sure the sessions flow. Um, social connection is really, really important. All, all football clubs that I've worked at, um, which really have been three, the Corfu Grammarians in the Vafak, um, Box Hill Hawks, and then Mel- and Gawthorne, and then Casey Devens and Melbourne Footy Club. Um, they're all really value having fun and enjoying the time that you're there and making sure that it, everyone's um, having a good time because it's a long preseason and it's a long competitive season. So from a connection piece, making sure that you're personable, um, that you're connecting with those that are in front of you uh, and you've got good social skills to be able to um, yeah, build that relationship. Technology is ever um, growing in terms of its need and depending on the program you're in, some will be highly objective, some will be uh, more on the subjective side. Um, Hawthorne, when I was there, was more t- leaning towards um, the personal side and going off the feel and I guess the coach's instinct and athlete's instinct uh, and how the athlete is feeling and guiding heavily off that. Still, obviously, lots of objective data and you have your analysts, you have your scientists, but there was more probably the art of coaching um, that was uh, applied in that setting. <clears throat> Whereas at Melbourne, we're highly objective, still obviously value the uh, subjective side and the feel uh, and gut instinct, um, but uh, we make sure that we're really objective in our prescription um, and that we've got a clear plan in place for that athlete, whether it be rehab, main group, and whatever it might be. So technology that you need to be adverse with and, and have a good understanding with um, would be force plates, uh, the VOLD at, um, uh, injury screening activity, so Nord board uh, and your force frame. You want to be able to use, um, and it's not essential because you learn these pretty quick, but and being uh, competent with Excel or Team Builder, so apps um, that uh, the clubs use. So most AFL clubs will use Team Builder. So if you can get used to that, if you're working in a private practice, might not be a bad idea to, to start getting used to it. Um, and then also having your own Excel um, information in terms of tracking your loads um, and then uh, video analysis as well. So being able to film the athlete and give them clear feedback on some on their mechanics specifically with running drills acceleration change direction sprinting mechanics then from a program point of view key responsibilities will be from conditioning so making sure you're inverse with how to improve aerobic capacity how to improve repeat um, speed endurance uh, regular exposure to max velocity and change of direction uh, work and then being able to fit that in all together with also wrestling and combat work so uh, it's a pretty chaotic game. Um, you got to be able to understand the game, be able to work with the coaches to create session plans. Um, obviously, in the gym, you need to be able to complement the strength and power program. It has to have it has to complement the field program. So, having a good understanding of, uh, you know, was it more an extensive base session, more high speed sprint distance, or was it more intensive with your accelerations, decelerations? Was it a mix of the two? What was the volume of the session? How that might adjust your programming for the strength and power program? Because typically, they'll the, you know for footballers will do their gym host uh, field. However, there is a bit of a shift where um, there um, you might be doing a bit of power development uh, and some speed work um, before you do your field session. Then you do your more injury mitigation and strength exercises post your slower activities. The programming in the gym you need to be competent at, and of course, return to play. Um, Injuries like hamstrings, groins, calves, 
shoulders, um, uh, areas that you need to be um, well experienced in and be able to take an athlete from working with the physio, the medical team early days, the point where you're working with the coaches and the athlete to return them back to how they play the games, understanding the sport and the demands of their role. So they're the key programming aspects, rehab, strength and power, conditioning, um, make sure you're getting experience in, in leading those different roles so you you really are a generalist early on in your career. Qualifications, a Bachelor of Sports Science degree is the minimum, as I mentioned before, like to be able to have a ticket to the dance, you absolutely have to have that as a bare minimum. Most full-time staff members will have their Masters of High Performance. My journey was a little bit different, so I did PT, personal training, for a good six, seven years running my business. Then I did my Bachelor of Sports Science while working at Corfield Grammarians and leading their strength and conditioning program for a full pre-season season and then did, on the second year, did the pre-season and then um, volunteered at Box Hill Hawks um, to be able to get the foot in the door at an elite club uh, and at a volunteer basis. So while I was doing my, my sports science degree, it was later in my career. So I had good coaching experience in the gym, um, but my coaching experience on the field were, was limited to one and a half years at a football club. So being able to work at Box Hill Hawks, I have been able to build up my um, rehab experience, assisting with the rehab, build my strength and power for football specifically, that population, and more importantly, leading group warm-ups, group conditioning sessions with squads up to, in pre-season, you might have 60 athletes. So being able to really um, lead a large group of athletes and coordinate those sessions with the coaching staff is really, really important experience. Uh, I then got my first full-time job as an assistant strength and conditioning coach with Hawthorne, where you lead the men's program VFL and your sister in the day. Um, so I finished my degree, got that role, did that for a couple of years. Then COVID happened, that role was made redundant, started to prepare like a pro, um, and then also started my master's. I thought that was a good opportunity to do my master's online at Deakin University of Huffington Sports. So for me, I'd already done had a full-time role in the sport, so it can, you can get a full-time role if you typically, you're probably going to have to work at the feeder club to be able to get that, that assistant role. Um, and uh, that can is a possibility. However, typically, especially if you're competing for a role in the market and you don't have a connection with people that are working there and you haven't got experience working in the club like an internship, um, you'll probably need a, a master's, I would, I would suggest, to be able to stand up and commit against the competition. Hence why I did my master's a bit later on. And then the other qualification that an avenue that people take um, is getting a PhD and doing that um, at a at a sporting club like an AFL club where the PhD will pay you anywhere between 20 or so grand. The club pay, may pay around the same. So you're on that part-time wage. You're getting your degree while applying your trade and, and you've got a foot in the door in an AFL club getting great experience. Um, so that can be the other avenue if you want to have a point of difference, have a PhD on a specific topic relevant to something that you're passionate about. You're going to get a foot in the door in an elite setting. It's good full-time experience and exposure and you're getting... Um, enough, I guess, to survive from a financial point of view with the two, the PhD payment as well as the club. Uh, as I mentioned with my journey, uh, it was more down the avenue of uh, volunteering early days. So you're giving up your time um, to gain the experience. Uh, VFL was back then was a development program. So I looked after the development players that weren't playing VFL on the weekend. That led to more senior role where you're looking after the main group, the VFL program with their weights, strength and power program and assisting the rehab. 
And then I was lucky enough to get an internship where I volunteered three days a week at Hawthorne Football Club for a year. And then that, on the fourth year, while working the VFL, was when the first full-time role was was offered that assistant strength and conditioning coach. Um, did that for two years. The second half of the second year was made redundant due to COVID. Had a year out of sport, worked at Iron Edge, which is a, a gym company, managing there and, and leading their program for everyday people. And then took on a part-time role at um, Casey Demons and Melbourne Football Club where you assist the Strength and Power program and then you lead the VFL program. Did that for a year and then I'm now in my current full-time role where I'm just with the AFL men's program in the rehab strength and conditioning program. So as I mentioned at the start, there's high performance, there's strength and power, there's rehab coaches, assistant. Of the four, I've done two, the, the assistant and the rehab coach. Um, and then... Uh, the two that I haven't done is the strength and power and the high performance, which are typically the more senior experienced um, roles. So people that have worked in elite sport for 10 years typically are in the strength and power and high performance role. Um, so that's my journey from the podcast guest. That would probably be the typical journey, uh, I would say. Most people had sort of four or five years in personal training, running a business and getting lots of time in coaching. Then um them having their master's degree done, then getting some some form of experience in an institute or a state league um, football team before getting their first opportunity in uh, a full-time basis in the contract. So that's pretty standard. Um, others that have been on the podcast that come to mind um, worked in other elite sporting realms, So, which is basically if you can get a full-time contract in any field-based sport, it's going to pay dividends. Late in your career, so MBL, um, a-League, um, Institute roles, so the QAS, uh, VIS, so any of those full-time roles will set you apart from the competition because you're applying your trade every day and you're surrounded by great practitioners in those full-time environment. Um, so you, your development is really fast-tracked compared to the part-time roles. In saying that, it takes a long time before you get your first full-time role, so you're naturally going to have to volunteer your time, work it in the clinic, private practice and just get your experience um, and develop your skills wherever you can for a period of time also to make ends meet. Hopefully that helps uh, provide a little bit of context in what it takes to get be a AFL strength and conditioning coach. If you've got more questions on the topic, I'm more than happy to share. Just reach out uh, on our socials and I'll answer any questions around the topic. This week we have Ender King's episode specifically talking about building to robust athletes and some uh, advice around groins and ACL injuries that's released on Wednesday. Cameron Ferguson is our live chat for the week. That will be this Thursday at 4.30pm. He's the head of performance of the Gold Coast Titans. So we're looking at how to um, manage high pressure environments as a performance manager. And then our bite size episode will be with Shane Land, where we talked about football development program, how his philosophy is all about making sure everything we're doing in he does in the strength and power program is key to how they want to play the game at the Sydney Swans. Um, so that's a, a great episode. I did that interview a year ago. And we're just bringing it back to life. Uh, Academy members, as I mentioned, uh, make sure to log in, check out our latest platform in the exercise drill database. I've just added in some new plyometric drills to improve your reactive uh, strength uh, and your explosive power. So if you're a footballer or if you're a coach, check out that new drills series. And we will have the workout. It's a contrast workout. So by contrast, we're just making the most of active, really using your potentiation when it comes to um, trying to maximize your neural drive. Um, so we want to do a slow, heavy lift, like a for, for Fendel Fability. We want to do 
something like a pin press where you're doing short range motion and you're lifting as heavy as you can for anywhere between three and five reps. Then into a moderately heavy um, exercise to work on your power, so like a banded bench press um, where typically you can generate a lot of momentum and use that stretch shortening cycle through the um, chest by um, lowering the bar and then driving up and the tension is going to get higher as you get to your strongest point during the lockout and it's easiest at the bottom so you can really generate a lot of speed and work on that. Um, power development, rate of force development, and then a light exercise, um, like a medicine ball throw. Have a partner standing on a box, they drop the ball towards your chest, and you just react and throw that ball as high as you can. So a real light, fast movement working on your speed strength. So I have those three. Some of my favorite uh, exercises to choose from, the banded speed benches I talked about, the landmine partner throws where you throw the landmine and a partner catches it and they lower it back down to you. A Smith machine bench throws, um, med ball rotational throws, um, so you can check out our power playlist on YouTube for all demonstrations on these exercises. Thank you for tuning in to this weekly uh, update. I uh, look forward to seeing you during the week with that interview with Cameron Ferguson, and I'll see you next week as well for our weekly update show. Thanks for tuning in. Hi, I'm Jack McLean, an AFL football strength and conditioning coach, and I want to introduce you to the Prepare Like a Pro Academy. Our academy is a subscription-based platform where you can sign up to be a part of our community. If you get to the end of each episode of the podcast and are hungry for more, this is for you. Designed for aspiring AFL athletes and staff, you'll receive heaps of bonus weekly content. Learn who the guests are in advance and submit questions. Access to our Facebook group with Jack and other Prepare Like a Pro coaches. You'll be able to receive merchandise, program discounts and freebies and get free access to our live events, exercise technique database and much more. This is a great way for you to support the podcast and it helps me with production and release of epic content for you guys each week. Your contribution goes a long way in making the Prepare Like a Pro community possible and just for $5 a week, you'll have access to all of this special content released on our Academy forums. There's no lock-in and you can cancel absolutely anytime. time.